We are recording, and this is the Filmography Podcast, Season 1, where we take a chronological look at the films of Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, this is Reese Crothers, and I am here joined with my friend and co-host, as always, Bjorn Olsen. Say hi, Bjorn. Hi, Reese. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Filmography, and we're uh, all the way at episode 15, I believe, uh, looking at the career of Francis Ford Coppola. And today we're taking a look at Jack. From 1996. So last time we were talking about uh, Dracula being the movie that sort of ended that career run of, you know, one film a year in order to keep the house. Um, So he did well enough off Dracula that he didn't have to keep working every year. So, you know, we've got what was Dracula in 92. So we got four years that that would have been if it was the 80s, that would have been four Coppola movies that we would have seen there. Yeah. At least, yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's, uh, so I think, you know, the fact that you had to wait four years for the next Coppola film, there's a lot of anticipation, I think, on what that film was going to be. I think people were a little surprised when it was announced that it was Jack. Yep. <laughs> you know, for people who yeah. haven't seen it, I mean, hopefully people are watching uh, these films along with us and so that we're not spoiling them. But for people who haven't, who aren't familiar with the story, Jack is the story of a boy who ages four times the natural uh, period so that he's, by the time he's 10, he's a 40 year old man played by Robin Williams. And from the trailers and things like that, it just seems like another kind of Robin Williams comedy vehicle, but it's, it's a lot sadder than that. The, the concept when you think about it, because of the mortality Mm -hmm. inherent in that, that, that he's not going to live a long life. Um, yeah, and it's kind of, I think if I'm not wrong, it's something, it's not a real medical condition. It was made up by the, by the, by the screenwriters, but it is basically, it's like the Webster thing in reverse. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's sort of related to progeria and there is a syndrome. I was looking it up called, um, I forget now, but, uh, there is a similar syndrome, but it doesn't like there. first of all, you definitely don't get perfectly healthy. uh, uh, You're not perfectly healthy in every way other than the fact that you're aging rapidly. I think it was Werner syndrome or something like that. Um, So you you have other health things that you have to deal with and it doesn't, it's not something that appears instantaneously. um, Even, you know, like um, you wouldn't discover it as a baby the way they do in this movie. Yeah. It gets discovered sort of like as an adolescent or as an adult, um, that, that sort of thing. But mm. yeah, for all intents and purposes, for the, for this movie, the, the it's, it's a made, sort of a made up um, syndrome. So I think you know it's strange sort of material for Coppola. Except I do see some parallels a little bit to Peggy Sue Got Married, just in that you know the idea of about you know, being a different age in your, in the body you are, you know, being Mm -hmm. a different mental age than the physical age. Um, again, it's in reverse because in Peggy Sue, she's a 40 year old woman living in a 16, 17, whatever, 18 year old body. Um, I guess she was 18. And then in, in Jack, obviously it's a 40 year old man in a 10 year old's body, but he's also Mm -hmm. mentally, he's 10 years old in a 40 year old's body. Sorry. Um, yeah, so it's. I, I remember when it came out, um, not knowing there was a Francis Ford Coppola movie, and seeing the trailer and being shocked at the end to find out that it's a Coppola movie. 
because it just doesn't yeah. seem like it's going to be a cult. It feels like a Disney movie or in fact, I watched it on Disney on the Disney uh, plus. Um, right. You know, it, it seems like strange material and also, you know, is it a kid's film? Is it a movie for grownups? It's, it was always weird. It was always hard for me to determine like who the audience was for the movie, even just based on the trailer. So this was the first time I saw it. Um, I can't remember. I think it's yeah, the first time you saw it as well, right? It's the first time I saw it as well. I mean, if it weren't for this podcast, I probably would have never have watched it. I mean, Same. maybe when I ran out of Coppola movies, you know, in my old age and was curious, <laughs> I, I might have. But because, you know, this movie was um, so poorly received and is poorly received to this day, there is no um, critical rehabilitation of the movie Jack at, at, at this point, And they're probably never will be but yeah it, it is like at the time definitely it was um you know uh, people were sort of baffled that this was coppola's you know next move and um i think also i think it, there was a bit of a um, critical feeling that like this was sort of the beginning of him kind of transitioning to uh not being a filmmaker anymore or uh you know just being more of a producer or because you know in 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 this period certainly in the 90s and early 2000s he's 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 definitely producing more movies than he's directing them yeah um and uh so i think that was also the feeling that was like this is you know this is him sort of signaling like he is not that um involved uh, creatively or inspired creatively to, to make the kind of movies that we sort of expect uh, yeah, it does from, seem from a Coppola uninspired an uninspired choice mm-hmm. I mean the material yeah. I have to say like the worst thing about it I think is the screenplay um, I mean I think we've talked about yeah. like that that he took a lot of chances and he took a lot of big swings and he he made a lot of you know movies that were flawed but still brilliant and this was the first movie I think of his where I'd say it's not a success, you know, creatively. Um, it's the first, Absolutely. it's the first one of his films that I, I would say I didn't enjoy. Um, although yeah. when it started, I have to say the first sequence, the prologue where, um, you know, the Diane Lane and her husband are, um, she's only two months pregnant and she ends up giving birth. And then the birth of the child and the initial sort of explanation explanation than the exponent um from the doctors is uh you know i thought all that was handled really well and they did an interesting or copla did an interesting thing where he was including jack's pov right from birth and like pov shots and everything looked a little bit different from jack's point of view and i thought that was really sort of inspired and then it gets to it gets you know 10 minutes into the movie and it's now we're with Robin Williams and he's 10 years old, but you know, looks like a 40 year old. And from that point on, when the movie start from that point on, I just felt like it was a movie for 10 year olds. Like the things that he experienced were mostly sort of silly and childish. Um, yeah. Rather than what I was hoping for, which was be something a little more profound. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I mean, I, I was kind of, like right off the bat with this movie, I was kind of, it was, it, it, it made me uncomfortable. <laughs> and like, 
I, the tone I, I, of it in the early in the early going just like really rubbed me the wrong way. Like right off the top, it, it felt like a, a wacky movie. And and you know, Coppola had done that that first person POV camera thing before, and it it is an interesting and bold choice. And and I think it's like. It's in, it's kind of interesting here, but it's just like but he drops you know, it. like right off the the bat, yeah, right off the bat with this thing, it it's like my one of my first thoughts was like, where is his instinct? Like, where are his directorial instincts? Like, yeah. he, he seems to have lost them completely. Like, there's no a lot no, of it's paint by no, numbers, exactly, and there's no style to it and there's no like it doesn't seem like he spent you know that much time this is this is somebody who we know is like just obsessively uh you know into attention to detail and innovation Uh, right like everything else before had some element of of invention like he was always pushing at the possibilities of cinema there's nothing like that in this there's nothing that there's no, this is a, it's funny because if this is the first movie he made with financial freedom, it's the first movie that feels like it was something he had to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is, it's so strange. And it's also like, you know, kind of strange that it took, you know, four years for him to make another picture at, at that point in his career, because like, you know, post Dracula, he, he was back, you know, Coppola was back. Like he, Movies were getting nominated for awards, and and Dracula was well received, and it was a financial success. So he, it's not like we're not it's not like post uh, Godfather or anything like that where he can do whatever he wants. But it's you know it's close. It's not it's not that that far off. And we know that Megalopolis uh, was already in his heart at that point. But you think that he could have yeah. made after Dracula something? If he couldn't have made Megalopolis, at least he could have made something else that he wanted to make. So yeah. you know the question is why would you want to make this movie, Jack? And I can't believe it's the screenplay because the screenplay is very pedestrian. But the but what I did read yeah. at some point, I yeah. remember reading somewhere along the way. Um, I don't remember where, but that that there was something that touched on the death of his son to him. Um, mm-hmm. and I guess yeah. in the precocious, the preciousness of youth and uh, fleeting youth, or some, there was some some connection he made emotionally mm-hmm. between that and the death mm-hmm. of Gio and. Mm-hmm. Indeed, the movie's dedicated to Gia, right? Gio's son, yeah. uh, Gio's daughter, yeah. um, Francis Ford Coppola's granddaughter, and um, yeah, exactly, yeah. So I could see, I could see some impetus there. And then what I wonder is, you know, did they just like, was it one of those things where it's such a high concept idea that you might sign on to the idea because it sounds good, right? Robin Williams yeah. is a ten-year-old boy stuck in a forty-year-old's body. Yeah. Well. That sounds exactly, great yeah. because you think of the, all the comic possibilities and if anyone can yeah. sort of pull that off, Robin Williams seems to be the person who could. And his performance is with yeah. is you can't really pick flaws in his performance. He doesn't do a lot of his shtick. He plays it pretty straight. Um, but but I think when you get down to it and you really start thinking about it and like, well, what would that be like? It'd be really, really sad, right? So it's mm-hmm. like it's packaged as a comedy but the central mm-hmm. concept is inherently sad. So yeah. it's interesting that the way they only, by only focusing on really one year of his life or not even a mm-hmm. year, but like a part of a year, um, yeah. you know, encapsulating that period where he's 10 years old, um, they sort of seem to get away with not having to deal with a lot of the 
sadness, like because you're not dealing like too much with the first couple of years and how how difficult that must have been, and um, like yeah. because you know the the age of reason and like all the questions he would have been asking as like a six or seven year old. And so you just jump in, he's 10 years old. Okay. He looks like a 40 year old and you're not really dealing with the physical aging stuff too late until they, they have that epilogue where they go seven years later and it's graduation and he's an old man. Um, but they, by sticking with that one sort of isolated period, I think they kind of, they did maximize the potential for the comedy, but the comedy is kind of really underwhelming. Like it's just, yeah. it's not that funny, and the kids sort of feel like they're you know like second choices and third choices from the casting of the Sandlot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, you know, I mean, it's it's funny that you you say that uh, with Robin Williams' performance, it's it's you can't can't fault it too much. But I think like one of the biggest problems with the movie is his performance. I I felt like we're not seeing a 10 year old. We're seeing like a four year old or a five year old. Like I think he really played it like just far too juvenile. Like when you're 10 years old, like you, you know, you think you, by the time you get to be 10, like you're, you're starting to move into early adolescence and you think you're super smart and you think, you know, a lot of stuff about the world and you are, you know, in a lot of ways you're trying to be more grown up than you are. Like you still have kids, interests and kid ideals but i really thought that robin williams just made wrong choices with the way that he played jack in a, in a lot of ways like it's kind That's of all interesting, over though. yeah he's too young i think i could see that like even just like the untied shoelace like believe me i took a long time to learn <laughs> how to tie my shoelaces but i had figured it out by the time i was 10 years old like yeah. i preferred to wear velcro you know for many years as a kid and then eventually i just figured out how to how to do it like i figured out my own way how to tie my shoelaces because the way that people were teaching me didn't make any sense but it's just like you know most most 10 year olds know how to tie their shoelaces i mean i guess you can argue that he has some somewhat of like arrested social development because of well he's been kept out of school and he's he hasn't been around other kids yeah Exactly. Yeah. Some of it can be chalked um, but, up to that, but you're right. I think when thinking of it now, um, yeah. Some some of the juvenile behavior, you're right. It really is more like a five six year old. It's like kindergarten rather yeah. than I don't know what grade you're in when you're ten, fifth grade or something. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, Coppola talked about like he did this picture because he wanted to work with Robin Williams, and Robin Williams said apparently he would only agree to doing this movie if Coppola was the director. So, really? you know, it's a weird kind of like chicken versus egg situation there. Also, well, but, weird to think of Coppola for it in the first place, <laughs> except that yeah, it's, it's course, gentle, yeah. right? Like there's a sort of gentle yeah. touch. Absolutely. Yes. yes and I think you, right. I think you like, could look at Peggy Sue. If, if yeah. you were, if you were looking for a director for this material and you saw Peggy Sue, you might say that's the guy, but not the Godfather, yeah. right? It's not, it's not playing yeah. to his greatest, films yeah of of course yeah absolutely um and you know like i think that um like robin williams of course sort of notorious for being like not necessarily somebody that takes direction all that well like um you know like george roy hill when williams was doing like the the world according garp you know sort of first serious role like 
they they butted heads like because Williams would just not take direction and and George Roy Hill kept talking about how it was so difficult to get him to be serious and you know it's it's a successful picture in the end and his performance is good but uh, I mean if, if 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 you're not the kind of director who who is going to sort of like try and rein in Robin Williams and this isn't the kind of movie where you would really need to yeah. but I think I think it is I think it is a big flaw like. And I, you know, it's, I mean, he's in every scene of this movie pretty much. Yeah. If you don't um, buy the central performance, you're not going to buy the movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a problem. See, I just thought he, I thought he wasn't doing like Rob Williams, 2000 miles a minute, like switching characters every two seconds. He, he was for sure, tuned yeah. into like one frequency for the movie. And I thought, yeah. I think that's what I was admiring about it. But when when you say he was playing too young, I think you're right, absolutely. But it's also hard. For, I'm yeah. trying to remember, like being ten years old, exactly. Like they do weird things. Like it seemed really out of the out of keeping with the rest of the tone of the movie. That that yeah. the way he gets included with the guys is that he's old enough. He looks old enough to be able to walk into a store and buy Penthouse magazine. Um, and Penthouse yeah. magazine being pretty hardcore, for like 1996 yeah, yeah. right like it's yeah even the yeah. fact that they didn't get a playboy instead you know what i mean it seemed like a, yeah. like there there was an opportunity there to get more into like something a little grittier or something a little like yeah and, you know, and a little like dirtier. They, know, they know all the all the the brand like they, like can you get hustler can you get yeah. blank like, yeah but then the rest of the movie is really sweet and innocent so that's kind yeah, of out yeah. of keeping with the with that movie it's not like it wasn't an edgy 90s uh you know richard linklater even like teen comedy kind of thing it's just yeah. it, you know it was more more um yeah they all did seem a lot younger maybe than they were but it's also like you know the what the movie tries to accomplish like it relies on the gag of the of a treehouse collapsing um mm-hmm. you know or like i think the really sort of tasteless element with fran dreischer as like you know yeah. that, that scene where um the the cool kid gets jack to pretend to be his principal so he doesn't get in trouble when his mom comes to talk to the real principal and then the mom hits on the principal right away and then there's a scene in a yeah. bar like that whole thing yeah. was kind of gross and it's gross and big too <laughs> like because yeah. you're yeah you're, for sure you know, yeah. you're hitting on a child <laughs> yeah. um but you know it's in, in in big, it's handled it's handled a little bit different. I mean, you're right. I know for sure what you're saying. It's handled a little bit differently in big. A little bit more. There's a little bit more complexity, and yeah. there's not a lot of complexity here. And you know what? It's like Fran Drescher, you who like um, was you know in the nanny at this time and yeah. sort of like rocketing to stardom, but who's done comedy for years and years before this. Like you can see, you're trying to do different things with with it than just like you know the cougar mother or yeah. the you know the the horny single mom you can see her trying to do different things with it she only has so much room though unfortunately. She did, i think she was good i think she gave a like she was a credible she was good. person you know and, and whereas huh. so much of it is just not credible i mean actually yeah. i don't think anyone did a bad job like diane lane is good as the mom um i, I forget the name of the Act Brian Kerwin, I think plays or plays the dad. Yeah, yeah, um, not really somebody that I was too too familiar with. But, I can't think uh, of anything yeah, else he was fine. Um, you know, you know, Bill it, Cosby it, it, was good too. I mean, you know, like fuck Bill Cosby. Yeah, he, you know, he he was what he was. 
Yeah, exactly. But yes. he did a, he did a good job. But it's like, man, it's so hard to watch Bill Cosby now because yeah, you know, you yeah. just it's like if you were a kid and you watched, you know, the Cosby Show growing up, like, you know, Bill Cosby was a big part of your life, and to yeah. see him become the villain that he is, um, you know, is like yeah. one of those of, of all the the Me Too things or whatever. It's like that was the big. I think that was the the most shocking. Um, cause he was like America's dad. Right. And yeah, then, yeah. and then, so I think, you know, in 1996, I remember thinking like, Oh, that's cool that Bill Cosby's in this movie. And now I'm watching it going like, fuck you, Bill Cosby. But, but <laughs> yeah. I liked the character. Well, I mean, it's basically almost exactly the same character. Like he's, he's, he's Dr. Huxtable. <laughs> and he's like, he's, he's that. Uh, you know, nice sort of buffer in between, like Jack uh, figure as somebody that Jack trusts, um, because you know, because of the way that he had grown up, he doesn't necessarily trust every adult that he comes into contact with because he hasn't come into contact with many of them. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's you know, it, it is it is like hard to watch sometimes when <laughs> Bill Cosby comes on screen, but yeah, it, it could have been worse. Well, he it's not like he, he didn't do a bad job. It's just it's just like yeah. man, it's hard it's hard to remember when he when he was uh something other than the prior that he is now. Um Yeah. You know, but um but I think everyone else in the movie was good. The kids are, you know, whatever. They are sort of like cute various degrees of cute or yeah, uh, you know, annoying or whatever that like straight from central casting. I didn't think there's, it's not like there was something, you know, I think especially if you really liked life without Zoe, there was something there where the kids were, there was something different. They weren't the kids you see in every other movie. Um, yeah, for and sure. it maybe felt like a little, like it was a little more authentic leave from the yeah. aspect of the kids. Like maybe they were given more freedom with their lines or maybe they were, they're just, their behavior seemed more childlike here. Mm-hmm it's stale and kind of just like the, it's like I said, it's like something out of Sandlot or something and not even as good. Um, whereas, you know, and, and I think a lot of the movie sort of rests on the emotional connection that Jack makes to the, his friends at school. Right. So yeah. if the kids aren't that good, like, you know, at the end of the movie, the, the, the one kid who first thinks Jack's a freak and then becomes his friend at the end, he calls him yeah. his best friend and he, you know, there's that, plot device in the movie is the what do you want to be when you grow up questions asked at the beginning and throughout the movie they're yeah. working on this essay and so then at the end the the kid the cool kid uh reads the essay and his it's all about his best friend jack well like that doesn't land with any emotional impact you know mm-hmm. where it's supposed to yeah i think you know it's yeah. supposed to be a tearjerker moment um yeah and i think it's really the casting of the kids that that causes that when they don't like, they don't really have like the kids, you know, there's, there's scenes where we see the kids together, like bonding and, you know, hanging out, being buddies, but you don't really see Jack bonding with any one particular kid. Like he bonds with his teacher and he bonds, he's bonded in a way with, you know, the Bill Cosby character. And he, he almost bonds even more to like the Fran Drescher character, but he doesn't really bond with any of, any of the kids, even, even though like, I think we're supposed to believe that that he he has done by the by the end of the movie. Don't really see that. The teacher was good. The teacher Jennifer Lopez. That that must have been oh. one of her first roles. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I guess this is probably really soon after Selena, and yeah. uh, which you know made her famous, kind of it's like before out of sight. So. Yeah, you know that's the, really the first time I remember seeing her in something was out of sight, but mm-hmm. yeah. um, she was really good as the teacher, Miss Marquez. Mar- Marquez, yeah. she was really sweet. I thought and sort of handled the awkwardness of some situations with a lot of grace. Um, yeah, she was a good. She was one of the stronger characters, I think, in the piece. Um, but it's just, it's it's hard, you know, when you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, what is it? Coppola probably directed it as well as it can be directed. But yeah, but it was like, probably, you know, probably because the material, the screenplay was just sort of, like I say, under, undercooked. Um, and so you look at it and you mm-hmm. say, like, aside from the the concept or the idea of getting to work with Robin Williams or whatever that is, what did Coppola think he could bring to it? I mean, what did he, what, what is on display that we've seen in all these other movies and we've talked about along the way is like the innovations or the, the, you know, the stylistic um, carryovers from one film to another. There's nothing here that looks mm-hmm. like it com- that you could say, well, I can see the, the roots of that in another Coppola picture. It's just, it's an outlier. Mm-hmm. It's an anomaly. You know, it's like, it's a, yeah, st- totally. it's a standalone. Um, I didn't find anything yeah. in the movie that, really jumped up and said to me, Coppola, the opening, opening scene where Diane Lane is in a conga line, you know, dressed up as the, as I don't know if she's supposed to be the witch of the West or she's supposed to be Morticia Adams. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. And then, you know, she's with her tin man husband, that sequence, that could have been something out of like life without Zoe or something that had a bit of a charm mm-hmm. to it. And Coppola is always good with party scenes. Um, yeah. And so I thought that was really well that was that part was kind of started off sort of fun, and I thought, well, maybe this will be something more than what I think it's going to be, and maybe maybe I was wrong about this movie, and maybe it's going to be like quirky and kind of interesting and offbeat, and he's going and it's going to be like more like Life Without Zoe or whatever. Um, maybe it'll be just an oddball charmer. And as soon as it got to the Robin Williams stuff, it, I was that oddball charm had dissipated, and it just was something strange, some sort of like you know. Yeah. Like I still still baffled by who the audience for this movie was because it could, yeah, it's I not mean, a good movie for ten year olds. No, not really. No, it's but it's not I a think good movie that, for forty year olds. No, <laughs> I mean I think that's what he was going for. Like you, you know, there's a lot of directors and and also actors, especially like when they get when they have families and they get to the later parts of their career, and it's like, why are you? You know, why are you doing this voice in this terrible animated movie? Or like, you know, why did you direct this this children's movie or this episode of Fairy Tale Theater or whatever it is? And it's they do it for something that they could share with their children, or in this case, um, uh, grandchildren. Um, and that's you know, I think that's really the reason why. And I think that he, uh, you know, wanted it to. Um, just have you know to, to move into a movie for children which i mean the closest thing i guess to that before would have been finian's rainbow um mm. but it, you know not that's not something he's ever done before he made movies for teenagers and young adults um, oh i mean life without never, zoe like yeah but even though but it's even, so short I, I, even like life without zoe i'm not totally sure that he, he made it thinking like I'm going to make this for children in general or the children in my life. Like, I think he made it just to be able to work with his daughter. Um, 
I think the final product doesn't really, it, it, I mean, it, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like a children's film. I think it's like, it's kind of too eccentric in a way to really be mm. what you would think of as a children's film, especially from, from that time. But um, yeah, I, 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 I think that it's, just like he is thinking, you know, that this is the movie I'm going to make for kids. I mean, he is. It's, it's the good thing about this movie is it doesn't get overly sentimental and it's not mawkish. No. Um, it, but it's you know the sentiment is there and he explores that. And we all know Copeland. You know, he's just an old softy yeah. deep down inside. Um, despite the fact that you know he's made many violent movies, he, he really is just it's just you know a soft touch when you break it down. And I think that's what he was going for here. Um, You know, like it's not successful, I don't think. And you're right. Like it's not a movie for 10 year olds, but I guess that's like, there's one shot. There's one shot where he does the thing he did in Rumblefish, where he does the clouds in, in, Mm -hmm. in uh, time-lapse photography. Like, yeah, you know how he always talks about, well, the style, the style of the movie comes out of the theme. Like, so yeah. here, when the, when he did that one time-lapse shot, I thought, this is great. This is like playing with speed and the idea of like aging too fast, you know? But it was like, yeah. it was just that one shot. There's, he didn't, he didn't create the sensation of growing too fast or moving too fast or, you know, like the movie yeah. by his own definition of how he works, he seemed to fail on finding the theme, finding a visual metaphor yeah. for the, whatever the theme was right um yeah it's like it's like uh when you're when you're watching the movie um the in the beginning the fun seems to be like it, it's a it asks you to play what if right and it's like what if you were imagine if you were 10 years old and you were in an adult's body well like so some of the mm-hmm. what are the fun things oh i would be so good at basketball right like nobody could dunk on me um yeah you know, even the thing with the principal, like I could get my friend into trouble by pretending to be the principal. Okay. That's a fun thing maybe for a kid, but then what else does it do with it? Right. It's like, I could go to a bar and get into a bar fight. Like, um, mm-hmm. you know, like it doesn't, there's nothing else. It, it runs out of those ideas really quickly about what, is, what, what's the humor potential to be mined from the scenario, right? Like the fun and games or whatever you'd call it of the stuff that would go in yeah. the trailer. Um, there's just yeah. not enough of it. And it's this short one thing that's good is it seems short enough. Like it, the movie kind of jumps to that seven year later prologue or epilogue, uh, quicker than I was expecting. Um, mm-hmm. but I have to say it was a chore to get through the whole thing. If it wasn't for the podcast, I would, I would have stopped watching it at a certain point. Um, <laughs> because I just yeah, couldn't I, see, I, you, what, know, what, like, you know, what was the value? It, it, like that middle section, like his post sort of heart, episode thing when he you know and and he's like in this dark night of the soul period like it just like he goes to a bar like it just doesn't make any sense like why is a 10 year old going to a bar like what is what is interesting or fun at a bar for a 10 year old like nothing yeah, yeah. and he's having <laughs> like, shots and like it, yeah it, it asks you to, to it's there's some there's an element at play in that scene which is good, which is him and Michael McKeon together. Michael McKeon is complaining about out yeah. things and through his sheer mm-hmm. innocence and sweetness, you know, uh, yeah. Rob Williams is able to participate in the conversation by, by reflecting on things that are interpreted through an uh, innocent filter. And then the humor mm-hmm. coming from that is that Michael McKeon 
doesn't pick up on it and think, you know, yeah, like that, that part of that scene was, was good. It reminded me of, um, being there where like people talk to, uh, Peter Sellers totally. character and it's like, they don't pick up on the fact that he's a pure innocent, you know? And like, and, yeah. and in that, in that respect, it's like Jack is a filter or chance yeah. and uh, being there as a filter for whoever is in front of him. And they reveal, there's mm-hmm. something of that he reveals about the, their own true nature. <clears throat> but like these little things, they pop up in a scene. There's little elements here. It's the same thing with the, the point of view camera shot. It's like, they there are elements, little flashes where it comes to life, and then they're forgotten about, and and those threads yeah. are carried through. So it doesn't feel like those things are happening on purpose. Yeah, absolutely, and it, it is. It, it also kind of has a little bit of a cobbled together kind of, um, you know, pell mell sort of feel to it. That and like the tone shifts and. Um, new characters are introduced and then they disappear and that, that kind of thing. And that's certainly not a, a quality of, of Coppola's work. And there's um, no real antagonist, you know, like, right? Like there's no, yeah, there's, that's true. He, he doesn't really seem to have like, what is his goal? What is, what's Jack's goal? Yeah. It doesn't really seem to know what it is. Like in the beginning, I thought actually the first part of it where he's like doing ET voice at the beginning and the kids are like, who's this freak that lives in this house? Blah, blah, blah. That was well done. And it was like, he needs to make connection, but yeah, that seemed to get dropped. Like, yeah, he very quickly and easily made friends with the kids. And then it just, they were his friends for the whole thing. And everybody wants him to come out to play. And he's the most popular kid. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it wasn't hard for him to make friends. So it's not about him trying to make connection. Um, it wasn't yeah. quite about the growing pains because like when he's, sh- he's shaving, that's another thing that didn't make sense. He's shaving, but he even says like, I shaved since I was four. So like, why is it, why does he cut himself? Yeah. And why doesn't he yeah. Dad <laughs> teach him? You know, <laughs> that's so crazy. Like I didn't even, didn't even like really think about that until now, but I, I'm watching the shaving scene and he's it's like, his dad is teaching him how to shave. Like it's his first, time shaving and it's like like I'm watching it and I'm like there's something wrong with this and I can't figure out what it is but you're absolutely right like he's you know a 10 year old in a 40 year old body so that means he would have been shaving for at least a year (laughs) more than that a year probably more yeah so so, yeah that's a strange I mean that like that kind of stuff it's like that just like why is Coppola missing stuff like that? You know, yeah, it doesn't it, make any sense. It must have been he, like I don't know. It just seems like he probably was more concerned with his Napa Valley winery at that point. <laughs> no, but I mean, you're absolutely right. Like this is the this is the winery area like, era. Like this is really when it starts to kick in high gear, and this filmmaking is kind of a secondary pursuit for him. But you're looking at it and you're saying, like, there must be something. Like, why was it this movie? You know, was it really yeah. just to work yeah. with Robin Williams? Because, I mean, Robin Williams seems yeah. like an extraordinary guy. I can imagine taking on a job yeah. so you get to hang out with Robin Williams. But not for somebody who, like, who, who lives and dies for their art. Like, this is the guy who put his life on the line to make uh, Apocalypse Now. Yeah. So if that's what filmmaking means to him, then what, what part of that is in this choice to make Jack? You know, yeah. I mean, because I think I think you could say like, okay, well, it's not like it's badly directed. Um, 
it's not it's not a total disaster. It's just disaster as a Coppola picture. Um, it's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like a it's yeah. a to be honest, it's a mediocre movie. It's not like it's a terrible movie. It's just yeah, a mediocre. Right. One. Yeah, I didn't I didn't hate it. I, no. I, I thought this is. I was worried. I was like, you know, I hope that I don't hate this, but it's possible that I might. But I definitely didn't hate it, and there are good things about it. Um, but it is, yeah, like you say, it is a disaster as a Coppola picture, unfortunately. It's infuriating as a Coppola picture yeah. because, <laughs> you know, you're just like, like all of a sudden the films become a lot rarer because you're not making one a year. Uh, I mean, when you look at the yeah. 80s, it's kind of fun to talk about. It was fun, for, I think, as we went through them because there were so many of them. And it was like you could kind of be a little bit um, forgiving of of something like like when we talk about Cotton Club, um, you know, there are elements of the Cotton Club that don't work. But overall, mm-hmm. I, I kind of dig it because it's like, well, um, you know, it's it's if we if you're waiting for the next one, you only have to wait a year and then there's the next one. Um, yeah. Well, it's like with something like the Cotton Club, the elements that don't work are elements because the, like they don't work in large part because he's too ambitious. Yeah, and exactly. You can kind not, of forgive them because you say, well, the, the yeah. idea was worth, was worth pursuing. And exactly. Jack is not a film of ideas worth pursuing. It's like the, the ideas, really, no. the most interesting ideas are left kind of unexplored. Um, yeah. And, and like the, at the end, the parents have another kid. Like that's something that would have been yeah. really interesting. Like if they, if, if Jack had to deal with the fact that he has a sibling, you know, who's yeah. normal, um, yeah. you know, and they, like that might have been more interesting. The fact that, you know, the one, it seemed like they just threw the kid in there so that we didn't feel too bad about the parents that Jack was going to die soon. Absolutely. Yep. And at the end, he's not really that modeling. Like at the very, very, very end, he's going off on his graduation night with his, with his yeah. teenage friends. Like, okay, Ma, yeah. I'll see you later. You know, and, and yeah. everything was hunky dory. But, you know, he gave this kind of sad, maudlin uh, graduation speech, like as if he yeah. had kind of learned some wisdom. But, you know, I mean, what are the corollary films for this? It's like you talk, we can talk about Big, which is like a fantasy, mm-hmm. but is a feel-good movie. Um, and mm-hmm. is actually, you know, I'd say that movie's successful. It successfully mm-hmm. exploits its premise. Um, you know, there's something like um, Benjamin Button, I guess, because it deals with aging. Yeah. And there's some sort of like... Yeah topsy-turvy element to it. Um, Benjamin Button's another one that I think is like, the the concept is so inherently sad that it's hard to be satisfied by the movie. But I think Benjamin Button deals with these themes in a much more profound manner. You know? Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it's just silly for so much of it, um, Jack is. Yeah. That, it is. yeah. that it's like, it's like, are we supposed to have, you know, pathos? And are we supposed to feel really like, are we supposed to have an emotional connection to what he's going through? Like, it's one, like, you know, he, he talks about his receding hairline. Well, it's like, what about the day that he discovered that? You know, like, he's already processed that by mm-hmm. the time we meet him. Like, it would have been interesting for him mm-hmm. to, to sort of, like, discover the first signs of mortality. You know what I mean? Like, he's already got them. Yeah. But, like, like if he if his hair was starting to fall out, and it's like, he realizes, like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, I'm aging, I'm, I'm past my, you know, because the thing about being a kid is you feel invincible because all you do is grow and get better and yeah. become the better version of yourself. Yeah. And until you get to a certain point, right? Like maybe when mm. you're 25 or something and you start declining steadily for the, for the rest yeah. of your life. Right. Um, yeah. and, and I just, I don't know. There's some, maybe it's just that they, they, that the concept doesn't work because they're trying to, 
they're trying to cram in like, you know, a span of his life, the things he would learn over the course of a span of his life, and trying to cram that into just this little flash point moment of him being ten years old. Um and it just wouldn't all happen at once. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I mean I guess that's just a you know, a conceit of like you're right, that like it is explored in a way and the and the conceit is, is that this this all happens to him in this very specific period of time. Um but yeah, there are you know, we are missing definitely a lot more elements when when you you know the wheels start cranking and thinking about what this person's life is, is going to be like. It's it, it, like when you're talking about corollary movies, it, it, I, I thought about movies like Bicentennial Man and uh, AI. Um, Bicentennial right, Man, I course. never saw. AI I've seen, but I'm not a huge fan of it. But it, it's like it kind of has that feel of like, you know, robot, lifelike, human-ish robot to become part of people's families. And then, you know, the family dies. And, and they continue on and it's about, you know, what their lives are like trying to figure that out. It's sort of the inverse of, of what Jack is. Yeah. When the family is going to live forever and the kid is going to die. Yeah. Yeah. But it does feel kind of like Jack isn't that much of a real person because of the way that, you know, because of the way that the script is. And, and I guess because of, you know, certain technical aspects that you, wouldn't be able to transcend, but it does kind of feel like it's he's just not missing so much those a real mo- person. This more, but it's yeah. empathy. It's missing empathy, and it's like yeah. you know when you yeah, when yeah, you look at who sure. wrote it. Uh, I guess there are two writers, but one of them is James James DeMonico. Uh, yeah. So he wrote The Purge, which isn't exactly the most empathetic right. of <laughs> movie premises, right? Yeah. One yeah, day, totally. one day a year, we're legally allowed to go out and kill each other. Like, yeah. Yeah. So maybe which maybe is just like, like the wrong guy to write the script. Just another like high concept. I don't know what his other like works are like, but it's like, yeah, Purge is one day we all go, are able to, you know, and there's no police and we can all kill each other. And then Jack is a man is a uh, 40 year old, looks like he's 40 and he's in a 10 year old boy's body. Like, there you go. Like, <laughs> he's got ideas. You know, he's got big two, ideas. Two line, exactly. Two line high concepts and that's it. But it's not as it's not as fun when you really play it out. I mean, I think I think you exactly. could make a. I think Jack could have been really profound, and especially when you think about it, if it was yeah. inspired by the death of his son. I mean, th- those are some really <laughs> painful, complicated emotions that like could have been processed. Yeah. You know, I mean, you talk yeah. about AI. Um, AI is also like, what if your mother didn't love you? I mean, there's so many different mm-hmm. AI, yeah. different ideas in AI that the for yeah. me the prologue about the mom yeah. who doesn't love you really doesn't work because it's like, who wants to have that fantasy? That's a shitty fantasy. It's like, yeah. it's like when you're selling what ifs, um, who would buy yeah. this one, right? What if your mom didn't love you? <laughs> like, imagine that. It's like, I don't want to imagine that. And yeah. then, and then, <laughs> you know, the other part of it though is imagine you were like, imagine you, it's the Pinocchio part of the story, right? Which is imagine if you were yeah. a robot and you wanted to be a real boy and there was this blue fairy that could give yeah. that to you. Well, that, that is a fantasy. That sounds kind of cool. And it's like, and what if you had this like, you know, gigolo yeah. toe sidekick, um, that part of the movie works. And then like for me, I think the, the yeah. middle part of AI is one of my favorite Spielberg movies. Like it's that all, all as soon as Jude Law shows up, uh, it, the movie comes alive 
but the first 40 minutes for me are painful. Yeah. I can't watch them. And then the end of the movie when you know, he gets stuck in underwater and he's there for like a thousand years or something, um, dealing with immortality. Yeah. It's just like, it's like an ending on top of an ending on top of an ending. It's too much. Um, yeah. yeah. But, but AI, but, there, but you're right. There is some of that kind of feeling like it, it is the freak part of it, right? Like the idea that David, the robot in AI is a freak yeah. and Jack is a kind of yeah. a freak. But again, he, he loses yeah. that. He loses that aspect so quickly. He's, he's, he's accepted so quickly by the kids at school. Um, yeah, totally. Like, yeah. Yeah. And you know, and they deal a little bit with the fact that he doesn't know, um, who's an appropriate girl to like. So he, he asks his teacher out and you know, yeah. like, yeah. And then the, the gross scene, of, like the gross scene of him and Fran Drescher, um, like there are elements there mm-hmm. of him, like not knowing where he support, where he fits in that make him a great underdog character, but they're dropped. Like the friend Drescher character, um, yeah. Like after they've kind of, I guess, squeezed all the comic potential out of it, she just disappears, right? Like we don't see her again. She doesn't yeah, find but, out that yeah. he's not the principal yeah. and that he lied to her. Yeah. And like you know, like her and then her emotions yeah. being toyed with. <laughs> yeah. There's no consequence to that. Yeah. So who cares? Yeah. Right. There's exactly. no consequence to him feeling yeah. like a yeah. freak at yeah. the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just, just an idea that, you know, yeah, it's, it's full of, full of sort of like basic ideas that it's, you know, that the writers are trying to get away with actually finding a, um, any kind of conclusion, never mind like a human conclusion or a realistic conclusion or an interesting conclusion. Like it's just, here's an idea. Um, and we're not going to follow up on it. Yeah. Half baked and left unfinished. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. You know, it's and yet again, it's not it's not an unpleasant movie. It's not a like it's not a complete yeah. disaster. It's a funny thing. I mean, it, in some ways, it speaks to how great Coppola is that it's infuriating that he made an okay yeah. movie. You know what I mean? Instead yeah. of like, like <laughs> yeah. he's never made an outright yeah. bad movie, and and even the ones that didn't quite work. Like I I look at like um you know uh, Cotton Club and One from the Heart as as the ones that kind of didn't work. But there's so much to admire about them. There's so, like, especially in yeah. the in the course of doing this podcast and rewatching them in yeah. the context of their place within the filmography. Um, yeah, there's so much to to say. Well, this aspect works, and this aspect works, and and you can see with a slight miscalculation why this kind of didn't work, but it could have worked. And 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 I look at Jack, I see so many missed opportunities, but they outnumber the 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 interesting elements. Like, there's no there's no, there's nothing about it that I would yeah. say is like, like this was even worth the attention of a of a mind so great as Coppola's. You know what I mean? Because he's he's one of the master mm-hmm. directors, yeah. and so to 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 saddle him with material yeah. that is like, you know, B material, um, right off the top. I mean, you'd think, well, maybe he can make up for it with directorial yeah. flourishes or something. But there's nothing really, there's nothing really that he's trying out. Yeah. You know, except like I say at the beginning with giving a baby POV is kind of interesting, but. It's also a little bit, look who's look who's talking, <laughs> you know, or yeah. like, look who's talking now. So yeah. I don't know. Well, you know, it's there is a quote on Wikipedia where he Coppola talks about the movie, and it's like it's an interesting quote because he it's I mean this you know there's all sorts of reasons why there aren't commentary tracks or special features on DVDs and the, the DVD of Jack has nothing. 
Um, but it also speaks to the fact that Coppola didn't really just dash off a quick little. It would be fascinating to hear a Coppola commentary oh, yeah. on, on on Jack and what he was thinking and what, the choices that he made and what he likes about it. Um, that was, I mean, we, we might end up even liking the movie more if we knew what he thought about it. I mean, he the quote that says basically Jack. Jack was the movie that everybody hated and I was constantly damned and ridiculed for. I must say I find Jack sweet and amusing. I don't dislike it as much as everyone, but that's obvious. I directed it. I know I should be ashamed of it, but I'm not. I don't know why everybody hated it so much. (laughs) I think it was because of the type of movie it was. It was considered that I had made Apocalypse Now and I'm like a Marty Scorsese type of director. And here I am making this dumb Disney film with Robin Williams. But I was always happy to do any type of film. So not exactly a quote from somebody who is like defending his film to the death. Like he's, 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 it's basically he's, he's saying like, you know, I did it. I liked it. It was fun. You know, it's not like I get it. It's yeah, not stop great, picking on me. But it is. Yeah, exactly. It is what it is. And I was, I had a good time. Like he, he had a better time making Jack than he probably had making a lot of movies where, you know, Robert Evans is breathing down his neck. Right. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> but I, I think it is funny. just that. Like, it's, it's the type it's, of movie that it is, is the yeah. problem. It's like, yeah. it's like you're, you, yeah, exactly. And it's not like he owes the audience anything, but it's just mm-hmm. that, you know, we come with expectations. You know, it is, you're from the director of the Godfather, one of the greatest films of all time. Um, Jack, yeah, you know, not one of the greatest films of all time. Um, yeah, not anything. It's just, it's just such, it's just a, such a. Again, it's just that it's so mediocre. It's, it's not even bad enough that you could say like, yeah. "Wow, what a misfire," you know. But at least he tried. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it 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 doesn't seem to have a purpose <laughs> to exist, you know. Because again, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't really take its own premise that seriously. Because I'm sure, totally. I'm just sure, like, like there's so many coming of age movies, you know, but but part of part of coming of age is that it's a death, right? Like the child dies, so the adult can yeah. live, and yeah, in this case, yeah, like that's happened. Like if it's f- the physical part of that, it's already happened. We missed it. That happened before the movie started. Um, if it's about yeah. the emotional part of it, it probably is happening later after the story is over. You know, when he's like, mm-hmm. yeah like say 14 or something, he's probably dealing with the philosophical stuff. Yeah. Um, and maybe yeah. it would have been better if we'd seen and him. his own mortality at that point. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, when, when his first, he gets his first white hair or something, um, like what are the, yeah. what are the moments? What are these, these like pendulum or, you know, like paradigm shifting moments? Um, where, are, where are the moments where he, first gets the idea real like i think at some point in the movie she says something like he realized he's a little more um fragile than he than he realized or something like that that i thought was really good it's mm-hmm. like that that's what we wanted those moments where he has realizations that he's different yeah you know um even the thing yeah. with the girls exactly thing, yeah like, where it's not just yeah well as a 40 year old man he would have like, already well, been we'll, we'll get him. He's, yeah 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 so, sorry you go ahead yeah, it's it's not just like look at him; he's different. Like he's that's obvious; we know it. But like, what are the nuances of that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You want the nuances and not the slapstick, because there's only so many times you can laugh about him mm-hmm. not fitting into his desk at school. That's that's Billy exactly. Madison, exactly. Yes, right. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like he doesn't go to a friend's house yeah. and then like have an, uh, and then how is he regarded by the the parents of other of the other kids, you know, or like yeah. I don't know, there's just I I feel like we could sit down and come up with more interesting moments like just by brainstorming. Um and thinking yeah, about your, sure. thinking about your life. So it's, again, it's like, well, if if and I'm sure Coppola could too. <laughs> so the fact that they don't do that, it's like <laughs> It's like, well, it makes me think that the movie was really for 10-year-olds. But then, like, is, does a 10-year-old yeah. have a grasp of their own mortality enough that, like, the Jack is some sort of profound discovery for them? You know, that one day they're going right. to die? Like, that's not an idea you want to even give to a 10-year-old. Exactly. Right? Like, how's your childhood going? By the way, you're going to die. Like, <laughs> it's not necessary. <laughs> So I don't, I don't, I, I, I just, exactly. I just struggle with, with trying to figure out what is the right, what is the right uh, context to watch the movie in? Cause I, I went to this movie as I'm sure like you did. Um, and as we have with each of the movies that we've, we're coming to them wanting to like them. So there's a bias, right? Like yeah. we've, we've picked yeah. Coppola yeah. for a reason, which is that we're a fan of Coppola's. Yeah. And so, so we're starting each of these going like, not from the perspective of like, Oh, I can't wait to get to the one where we can trash it. Um, we're starting from the perspective of saying, yeah. okay, we're, we're looking at, at what makes each film a special experience because it's a Coppola film and that that's a special yeah. experience. And, and so when you come to something like Jack, it's like, okay, I want to be wrong in the fact that I dismissed it first, first, like, you know, outright from the time it was in the theaters. Um, and I've avoided okay. it all this time. So, okay, yeah. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch a Coppola film I've never seen. Okay, cool. This might be a big surprise. And, I wanted to like it, and and just as it went along, I just felt my enthusiasm sort of dissipate, like you know, quickly, and and then yeah, and then you know, there's the disappointment, right? Again, and he's right; it is because he's a, the director of Apocalypse Now and the director of these other great films that you want it to be better, um, mm. but but also because I think like one of the things that's so interesting about him is he's very insightful, and and it's like he doesn't seem to bring that insight here. And he's not the writer and he's not the co-writer. So, you know, okay. But he is sort of a writer in the sense that like he's writing with his camera, you know, and it's like the camera's not even in interesting places for most of this movie. Yeah. It looks like a sitcom. And it's, it's a it does, director yeah. of photography is John yeah. Toll. And he's a really good, you know, he's a, yeah. he's for big budget movies. He's a, he's a great yeah. cinematographer. I think he shot like Michael yeah. Bay movies and things like that. So, I mean, he's known for making things yeah. look kind of spectacular for better or for worse. And this mm -hmm. doesn't look, there's nothing yeah. like, there's no visual signature to this picture. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And you know, Dean Tavalaris is, 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 yeah, is right. back. He's back. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, I guess he had fun like working with their, their gigantic house in Marin County or wherever that takes place, which would probably sell for $15 million now. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I, I think like you can sort of compare it to other children's pictures around the same time. And you've got, you know, some of the highlights, like, you know, the babe movies and stuff like a little princess and the secret garden, which Coppola was executive producer oh, on. And it? it certainly tails in comparison to those uh, movies, but it's also, it also looks better than, you know, like uh, trying to think of like, you know, some of the absolute worst trash that came out around <laughs> that time. But, you know, there, it's, 
it's obvious. Like if you go looking for it, it's it's there. I mean, I'm I'm sure this is a much more interesting movie visually than something like Patch Adams, right? I don't know. I think even Patch Adams might look better than this movie. Yeah, you know, you might be right. I don't remember who directed Patch Adams. I feel like it's like Bob Odenkirk or somebody like that. It's not going to be like a. I think it's Tom Shadiak who did right. uh, uh, Ace Ventura. Movie Ace Ventura, yeah. Yeah, I knew it was one of those guys. I knew yeah. it was a Jim Carrey guy. Um, yeah. But even Patch Adams is a better movie than this. Like, it just, you know, it's like Patch Adams is pretty um, sentimental. But Patch Adams had mm-hmm. some good stuff in it, too, like Philip Seymour Hoffman. And, uh, right. you know, I'd rather watch Patch Adams than watch Jack again. It's like. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other Rob Williams movies. Like, you know, there, there, there are Rob Williams vehicles that didn't work like man of the year. And I'm trying to think of some other ones, but father's day, father's day didn't work. Just an abominable Billy Crystal, Robin Williams vehicle. Awful movie. (laughs) Yeah. But he, but he usually is worth, you know, the price of admission. And I don't know. I think at first I thought he did a good job, but I think you convinced me that he didn't. I think he just, yeah, I don't know. I just don't think he quite found the character like he could have. And it does feel kind of rushed, you know? Like, maybe the, that there's something to it as well. Like, they wanted to get this out for Christmas or something like that. I don't know. But when you think about it, like, he was rushed on Godfather 3, and he still turned out yeah. a masterpiece, you know? Or at yeah. least a near masterpiece. If Godfather 3 isn't a masterpiece, yeah. it's a near one. Yeah. I don't know if we decided at the end of that episode whether it was a masterpiece or not. I, I think it's... I think it's totally fair to call it a masterpiece. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard when you put it in context of, of the other two pictures. Um, but it, it's, I think it's totally fair to call it that. Yeah. It's gotta be in the first tier, you know, but this, this yeah. is like, this gets a tier all to itself. I mean, I don't know. Like at the same time, like to be honest, I think it's better than Finian's rainbow. Like it's not like it's his worst movie, but since the beginning of the hits, like since like, you know, we're really the, the early pictures I put, in a category of like that was his film school you know what i mean and he was mm-hmm. becoming a filmmaker yeah. but rain from rain people on yeah. you know rain people is like i again i always think of like rain people feels like it's his first movie even though it's not so i think mm-hmm. everything else is like the, the school period then he makes rain people which is like a first film and when you look at people's first films um whether it's like spike lee she's got a habit or you know jarmish like then whether you count permanent vacation or not, but stranger than paradise, you know, these, these first movies are like little thesis movies. It's like, they may not, uh, or even bottle rocket for Wes Anderson. Um, who's that knocking for Scorsese? They're like, they're unpolished. They're, they're like they're thesis films. They're like sort of announcing a new voice, but they don't have to quite work for the film to still be powerful because there's that sense of discovery in that film. But then like, then yeah. from, you know, that second film on, when it's like, okay, now you've got resources, that's when you really think that the filmmaker's career really begins. And for, for Coppola, I mean, how true is it? You know, like after rain people is Godfather. Right. And, and then from yeah. that whole period, that whole seven, after that whole seventies period, um, I'd say Jack is, the, Jack is his worst movie since he did the Godfather. And, but I, I think it's probably, you know, I'd rather like, sitting down and watching the rain people was like, it was a little slow. You know what I mean? Um, and I, mm-hmm. and I had to yeah. make myself watch the whole thing because I did lose interest at times, you know? 
Jack was the same kind of thing, but probably lost interest less in Jack, you know? Um, yeah. So I don't know, but it's, it's, so I, 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 all, all that to say that when I said it gets its own special, uh, category, I'm probably being too hard on it, but it's definitely in the lowest tier. Well, you know, like it is, it isn't a tier by itself. I think it shares it with Finian's Rainbow. Finian's Rainbow is a much better directed movie, I think, than Jack is. It's just Finian's Rainbow is just so obnoxious for most of the runtime, and, and Jack is just trying to be a sweet movie that yeah. wants you to like it. But they are, I mean, those two movies are, you know, they're excluding anything that he made before you're a big, big boy now. Um, I mean, they are kind of his two mistakes. Yeah. You know, like they, everything else is a good movie and beyond. And I, I, you know, I, we're at the point um, from this movie onwards where everything is going to be new to me. Yeah. Um, but we're not going to see. We're not. I don't think I'm going to see another another movie that is uh, at at this bottom tier. Unfortunately, I mean, it's you know, it's a bit of a bummer that Jack didn't um, uh, wasn't wasn't underrated in in some way. Yeah. And like I said, I didn't hate it, um, but uh, it is it is bottom tier for sure. So you haven't seen the movie we're doing next yet? I have not seen any of the remaining wow. movies to come. Rainmaker onwards. Yeah, you know, Rainmaker I never uh, saw because I, I, like, I just wasn't into um, John Grisham. And, yeah. like, Coppola didn't mean, like, Coppola, you know, I, I had seen a lot of his great movies by the time Rainmaker came out, if I remember correctly. Um, but he didn't mean the same to me then when I was, you know, in my early twenties as he does now, or did even like 10 years after, uh, Rainmaker came out. So it wasn't like, I should see this because it's a Coppola movie and it's getting decent reviews. I just didn't bother because I was mm. like, I don't want to watch another John Grisham movie. So, see, I like John Grisham. I'm a, I'm a John Grisham. There's, there's been bad ones, you know, like, um, the one yeah. with uh, uh, Gene Hackman and uh, Chris O'Donnell. Uh, what was it called? I'm blanking on it now. Oh, Runway Jury? No, that's another Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman was in a few John Christians because he was also oh, in... I, uh, yeah, I know the one you're talking about. What is that? what is the name of that movie? I forgot. Uh, Civil Action? No, is Civil right? Action is good. It's with John Travolta. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, okay, yes. What, what, what is the name of that movie? <laughs> Class action? No, that's another Gene Hackman movie. But that's a. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I may have All to. Right. I was gonna say we'll, we'll we'll let people know next on the on the next uh, episode, <laughs> but now I gotta look it up. Um, okay. <laughs> because it's, oh, I know I feel like it starts with the C. Which yeah. Is, you know, but I mean, the good John Grisham movies, like The Firm, is really good. Obviously, it's like a classic. Yeah. Um, and A Time to Kill yeah. is really good. Um, Pelican Brief is okay. I just I I like legal thrillers. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Oh man! Even as I try to remember now, it, it escapes me. Um, I guess look up Gene Hackman. Man, Runaway Jury was another one. Yeah, that wasn't it. Wasn't very good. There, you know what was interesting was um, Robert Altman did a did one. He did a, the Gingerbread Man. 
which was kind of like not it was kind of a yeah. strange one but it was it was like interesting to see like somebody as uncommercial as Robert Altman tackling something as commercial as um oh the chamber yeah the chamber chamber yeah okay yeah. so yeah the chamber wasn't good um, definitely did not see the chamber no not worth it <laughs> but for but i was so i you know i i saw rainmaker in the theater um and uh yeah. i won't say anything about it yet because ladies and gentlemen next week we'll be back with the rainmaker um but uh i'm very curious to see what you think of it because it's one of the it goes back to it's in the tradition of him making his literary adaptations right um and mm-hmm, putting the yeah. author's name above the title and uh yeah it's it's i think it's really entertaining so i i'm i'm curious to see what you, what you think of it but then and then we've got a trio of personal smaller films to look at that mm-hmm. are going to be interesting and you know hopefully yeah. i'm really megalopolis is coming sure. yeah 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 and as far as we know at the as of this recording megalopolis has been shot and i think, believe is being edited now um so yeah you know something to look forward to i mean that's part of the fun of this too is that when looking at these in the context of of you know you'd say like well there's no more hits coming or there's no more godfathers or whatever and and, and for us at this time the prospect of uh megalopolis is looming large over this whole thing because it's like there could be one more masterpiece absolutely right there may, and then we may yeah, find some little masterpieces you're in absolutely way. right the next four movies for you yeah. i mean i think there's gonna be some discovery there there's some really interesting stuff um i'm not yeah. going to say anything about any of those movies to you but you know but then there's megalopolis which we can only imagine what it's going to be and and i'm thinking here's the movie he makes with his with his napa valley money all his money nobody can tell him what to do he's thought of this movie since at yeah. least 1990 um you know it's his it's his to win or fail you know and uh that's yeah. that's the fun of going through all these with knowing that Megalopolis is finally happening and is one day going to be out there, you know, but, uh, that's pretty much it. I think for Jack and for this uh, episode, but we're going to be back and we're going to have a special guest. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Next episode, we'll have a special guest if everything, um, goes right. So tune in for that. If you're sick of just listening to the (laughs) two of us, um, there'll be, there'll be a third, uh, third voice on our next episode. And I'm, I'm, should we, should we tell them who it is or should we save it? Yeah, we might as well. Well, our friend Noah Taylor, who we've both uh, worked with before uh, in the video store days, will be our special guest next episode. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Me too. You know, I mean, again, this podcast is sort of born out of the fact that we all were video store clerks and would, would have 13 yeah. hour shifts with nothing to do but talk about movies uh, with each other. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it's going to be fun to have yeah. Noah back on. Uh, have another conversation mm-hmm. with Noah like the old days and I feel like the Godfather yeah. 3 was, I think that was like I remember telling I think I, Noah was one of the probably the first people that would have heard me ranting about Godfather 3 um, but uh, yeah so the Rainmaker and which I think is 1997 so again he's like you know one year after Jack he must have uh, felt yeah. like he had to make up for something yeah and um, yeah <laughs> and we have a we have an email right yeah, absolutely. If you want to get in contact with us, with us via email, uh, send us a note at uh, the filmography the podcast at gmail dot com. That's the filmography the podcast. That's all one word, and then at gmail dot com. 
Excellent. Well, listen, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Hope you're having fun going through these Coppola movies like we are. And hope you will join us again uh, next week for the next episode. John Grisham's The Rainmaker.